Welcome to the Single Father Podcast with your host, Father Deasy, where we talk about the joys and challenges of raising kids on our own. Join us for inspiring stories, practical advice, and a healthy dose of humor as we navigate the ups and downs of single fatherhood together. Follow us for the latest episodes, behind-the-scenes content, and a community of fellow single dads. Relationships, parenting, mental health. Let's vent together. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. It is Father DZ, the single father himself, giving you another episode of the Single Father Podcast. Thank you guys so much for joining me. It's going to be a special one today, guys. It's going to be my my very first full video podcast. Full video. I'm going, I'm trying something new. I'm going to see if it works. If it doesn't, I'm very sorry to say this will be my last one, but we'll see what you guys think. Um, you know, I wanted to wait. I wanted to wait until I get, you know, into my new house I plan on moving into the next couple months and getting like a whole nice, you know, studio set up where I can have my podcast and some nice cameras and background lighting. I have a whole plan about it, but you know, I wanted to at least try it out and see what it'd be like to have a full video podcast episode. So this is going to be, um, uploaded on YouTube. Please check it out. It's just the single father podcast on YouTube. Um, you know, give it a listen and, um, enjoy. Um, by the way, we have other things you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, the single father podcast. Um, we also have TikTok. I think it's a single father podcast as well. Um, we're on pretty much everything except for Twitter. Twitter's just my name, Kendall Doniker, and I post a variety of things on there, but, uh, yeah, I'm excited about it. Guys, today's episode is going to be, um, you know, really heartfelt and, you know, pretty blunt and upfront. And I want to share this with you guys, but bear with me as I struggle to find the exact words because there's certain topics that I'm going to be discussing that I have to be kind of careful on, you know, I have to be somewhat um, vigilant with my words and, and trying to uh, you know, think about the politically correct thing to say. So at times I may draw a blank and just, you know, bear with me, but, um, yeah, you know, this week has been quite interesting. Um, yeah, I've, I feel like I've had a tough week and a good week at the same time, but you know, if I had to pick one or the other, I'd I'd say tough. You know, being a single dad is no easy task. It's hard. Um, it has its it has many, many, many rewards. But being, when you're a single parent, let alone a single dad, it, it can really take a toll on you. Now, I, I don't know if you guys know this, but I have um, something called, I'm, well, I'm a hypochondriac. And it's where you kind of feel like everything's wrong with you and you kind of freak out about everything and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, from when I was a kid, I remember I would go through these things where I'd feel I where I'd have like a little freak out, not like like I wouldn't be like manic per se, but I, you know, I'd freak out about the world around me, about how I'm feeling, how my body's feeling. And when I was younger, and I speak about this in one of my previous episodes called How I Survived uh, panic attacks. When I was younger, I'd have these panic attacks all the time, right? 
And I used to think it was something wrong with my heart. I go to every heart doctor out there and they'd be like, nothing's wrong with your heart. You just have anxiety. But I'm like, you don't understand. I know my body. This isn't anxiety. Some, I'm not an anxious person. I could give a shit about anything. This is fucking my heart. And it took a long time for me to get through my head that it was fucking, it was, it was anxiety. So when I feel type of anxiety, it's kind of like a trauma effect where I always feel like I'm dying and I'm on the verge of death. And I think sometimes we can go through that even without having a type of condition like that where we're going through so much. You just feel like, I don't know if I can take any more. I'm going to fucking die. I'm going to pass out. I'm going to have a heart attack right here, right now. I'm It's taking such a toll on my body. And when you think a toll on your body, I think it's something that you can really feel, you know? Like, I feel the toll that's on my body, the heaviness that's on my chest, the knot in my neck, the, 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 you know, the numbness that I feel in, like, you know, my body and my words and how I'm speaking, the shortness of breath I have. Like you feel it. It takes a toll on you. And I think this week especially, it's taken a toll on me. Now, granted, full disclosure, I had a long week with my daughter. When it was Christmas and New Year's, I took a long vacation with her. Her mom had her for maybe like three or four days, and then I had my my full week with her again. So I had a long, long time with my daughter. And as much as I love that and as much as I wish I had even more time, it definitely took a toll on me. I was really, 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 really tired. Um, and I, I, I don't think I really knew properly on how to how to deal with that. And I think one of the things that ended up kind of affecting my mood was not having things in place where I can say, okay, I can, I can take a breath or I can take a break and calm down. Because when I, when she's over, I have so many things to do constantly cleaning up my house. I'm and by the way, I do that because I was with a friend one time I was at his party and I'm like, why are you cleaning up right now? And he's like, look, if you clean up while it's going on, there's less at the end. And trust me, when it's at the end of my daughter being here, it's a fucking, it looks like a tornado. It looks like it got robbed, to be honest with you, my house. Um, so it's pretty rough. So I, I clean while she's here and blah, 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 blah. But I'm telling you, there's so much to fucking do when, you know, even while she's here, I'm doing laundry. I'm changing the sheets because maybe she peed the bed. I'm feeding her. I'm playing with her. I'm taking her to the park. Maybe she's bored and I want to take a nap and she slaps me across the face. That tells me to wake up. I'm watching a show with her. I'm doing arts and crafts with her. And, you know, and I'm I'm trying to go on a walk with her. I'm trying to stop her from painting the dog. I'm just trying to I'm trying to stop her from flooding my kitchen. You know, I'm trying to I'm trying to teach her to put her messes away. You know, it's I'm back to back to back on the go, on the go, on the go, baby. It's a lot. You know what I mean? And it can kind of blow your mind. And on my previous episodes, I talk about how TV parents can kind of shape our, you know, parenting styles now. You know, I was watching Modern Family and I was watching, you know, Claire Dunphy always doing laundry or something like that, like a typical house housewife. And I'm like, yeah, I'm that house husband that's always cooking and cleaning and doing a whole bunch of shit. And it can really get to you. I'm like, this is my life and I have a job, you know. And I want to do other things too. I think, you know, I, I always talk about how, you know, in the most kind of, I don't even know how to describe it. You, you, only a parent can really know what I mean. But I want, you know, my kid not to be just my foundation for living. 
I want other things I have. I want to be passionate about. I'm I'm writing a book. I'll tell you guys just about this at the later in the podcast. I'll talk about it later. But I'm writing a book uh, called. Um, uh, well, I'll tell you guys at the end. But uh, it's I'm I'm writing a book. I'm studying for my real estate exam. I also have a job. You know, I'm doing and I'm I'm focused on getting a house soon. I have so much on my plate, and it's really hard to take it one step at a time. It really is. But more than that. More than all of that put together, because that, that I think I can deal with. More than that, the icing on the cake is my consistent challenges with my child's mother. It is very, very, very difficult. It's hard. It really is. To the point where I almost don't know how to, you know, my, my, my dad got a divorce twice. But, you know, his situations are so different than mine. Um, without going into his, his, his deal, he can't, I don't think he can really guide me on my situation because it's so different. He can agree with me. You know, I tell him certain things that happen. He's like, oh yeah, I agree. But how to go about it is very confusing. It's very, very confusing. Um, and you know, it makes you think about how I even got here. You know, I, I've, I known this woman for a very long time. This podcast is sponsored by Keys AI. Guys, if you're single or struggling with dating, I think you're going to be very interested in what I have to say next. If you've ever used a dating app, you know that they're a huge pain. But what if I told you that there was a virtual wingman that worked on every dating app? That's exactly what the guys over at Keys AI have built. Keys AI is your virtual wingman that suggests exactly what to say to land your next match. I've used Keys AI on Tinder, Bumble, and Hinge, and let me tell you, it is an absolute game changer. I won't even use dating apps without it now. If you want to start getting more dates immediately, then download Keys AI for free at the keys.ai or search Keys AI in the App Store. Guys, what are you waiting for? Download this app today. Yeah, I I known this woman for a very long time, and it's challenging to think about how we've got to this point. There were someone, I'm, I'm, I'll tell you what, it's a very uncomfortable thing to know that there's someone out there who has a whole family that's just wishing for your downfall, you know, praying that you make a mistake, praying that you die and they can just have, you know, it, it's, it's just, now I'm not saying they do that. I'm just saying it's very much felt that there's a whole family out there that is almost wishing and praying and hoping for my downfall. You know, it's very uncomfortable. And, you know, it, it's hard because I'm not, when we were younger, there was a lot of mistakes being made, but I'm not really that person that is portrayed in the view that I, I assume comes across on that end of the aisle, if that makes sense. You know, I was thinking about Will Smith the other day. Will Smith. Oh, Will Smith. You know, it's no it's no joy kind of adding to the topic of Will Smith. But I'll tell you this. Will Smith's my favorite actor. A funny thing that I saw on YouTube was this guy, George Wallace, is a comedian. And he was going through this whole bit about he's like, fuck Will Smith, blah, 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 blah. But he says, in all seriousness, the heart of that was... Will Smith ruined that night for me because I was waiting for my favorite actor to win his award. 
And when he slapped that man, he basically spat on the faces of everyone who was supporting him and rooting for him and watching him. And it's interesting because he said, that slap basically slapped me because I idolized you. I looked up to you and you treated me as a fan of disrespect because of that. And I thought that was very interesting because one of the main reasons that I do this podcast is to give people a different side of myself and make people see that I'm not a person that I was. When I was younger, I used to be just a, a big old asshole. I was angry at the world. My parents were divorced and a whole bunch of shit. And one of the things that I wanted to prove to people was that that was a really bad time for me, but I am not that person. In my heart, there's so much more to see. And I was thinking about Will Smith and thinking about how many people reacted to that situation, his worst moment. And I thought about, for some of those people, their opinions are going to be set in stone. But for others, there is more of Will Smith yet to see. The difference is, you know, between me and him is, uh, besides the obvious, is he has a history of being a great, really great person, a good person. Me, I just had a bad history of just being an asshole. And I desperately wanted to change that these past couple of years and give people a different side of myself and to say, hey, I am human just like you. If you cut me, I bleed the same just like you. It is red just like everybody else. You know, we have the same blood. You know, I am human. And allow me to be human. Allow me to make those mistakes and to change. Allow me to show you a different side of myself. And if you listen to this podcast, you will learn more about me. Maybe you'll dislike me even more. Maybe you won't be sympathetic. Maybe you will. And or maybe you'll just see a different side of Kendall. You know, maybe you'll see Father Deasy, you know, the guy that I wanted to I want to be for my daughter. You know, this a stand up man that she can look up to you know, idolize and, and hopefully judge other men by, you know, that's the man that I want to be. That's the man that I am. And that's the man that I am committed to being. So it's interesting because something that Will Smith has to accept and, you know, me too, is that there will be people out there that no matter what their opinions will remain the same. And there is nothing you can do about it. And all we can do, because part of being an adult is accepting the things that you cannot change and to change the things that we can. And the reason we pray for the wisdom to know the difference is because there is often a fine line between the things that we believe can change and the things that never will. And going back to my situation with my co-parent, I think that's a situation that never will, never will change. I've tried, I've tried, I've tried, and we just have a vastly different set of opinions which sucks because I wanted so badly. My main motto, everyone knows this, my main motto for co-parenting has always been making sure that my daughter grows up as normal as possible. Over the last couple of weeks or months, and to be honest, last couple of years, I've been realizing that I can only do the best I can and I cannot change the things that cannot be changed. The fact is her mother and I don't like each other and that's okay. Oftentimes, and I've said this before, but oftentimes when you split up with somebody, it's more times than not, it's because you don't really want to spend another moment together with them. And when you have to spend the next 18 years with them, that can be a very surreal experience. One that can take a toll on your mental health and maybe on your ability to forgive and move on. 
but it does have an effect on how you move forward. And her and I don't like each other. I've always said that we've been able to, what we've been able to do well is be good co-parents. And I think that is a little different today. What I believe we do well is that there's no, when you're over at my house, F your mom, there's no, I believe, when she's over at her or mom's house, there's no F your dad. I believe that we treat our daughter with love, safety, encouragement, respect. I believe that our daughter is happy, nourished, cared for. Those are the things I think we do really well. But I think those are the things we do well as just parents. When it comes to co-parenting, I'm afraid that, again, has been one of my biggest failures. I cannot get that right. I cannot. I'd say I don't know why, but it's just we have such different fundamental beliefs in how to raise our daughter and how to get along. We have pretty much different beliefs on everything. And that can be really tough because I want to have a solid parallel foundation for our daughter. That's what I believe. I will say this. I'll tell you this. I, a while ago, was telling my child's mother about a situation where I felt that Layla, my daughter, was, you know, she was peeing her pants a lot, blah, 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 right? I got a response that said, I think she's just having anxiety because of change and different parenting styles. So I said, all right, well, I would love for us to share parenting styles. What's yours? The response I got back was, I think we should, it was something on the lines of, I think our parenting styles should remain different, or I don't think we should share parenting styles. And I, look, I will never, ever say a bad thing about my child's mother, ever. I will never disparage her or paint her out to be anything, ever. But that was the wrong answer, in my opinion. I, for for me, it makes no earthly sense that our parenting styles should remain different. None whatsoever. Can't, can't, can't even think of a reason. But look, it's not like I feel like I'm more right or she's more wrong or I feel like she's doing anything morally wrong whatsoever. I kind of think of it as this. We believe in the fundamentals. Care for our daughter. Love our daughter. It's kind of like, to be honest with you, it's kind of like I think – a Christian and an atheist can both sit down and say there was someone named Jesus Christ. A person named Jesus Christ walked this earth and claimed he was the Messiah. That is a factual evidence-based fact. It's not just a biblical fact. It's a fact. Someone named Jesus walked this earth and claimed he was Messiah, right? That's the fundamental belief. Where you differ from is either you either believe that he was actually the son of God and there's a God in heaven or you don't, or he was just some guy who claimed to be what he was. Right. And I think that's the difference. It's not like if you're an atheist, you're morally wrong. And it's not like if you believe in God, you're morally incorrect. Neither side is a bad person per se. It's just, you have clear differences on the details of that belief. You believe there was a person named Jesus, but the details of that, how, why, where, when, what, blah, 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 are so different that it's almost impossible for you to see the other person's side. Because if you're a true, hard-born atheist, you're not going to church. You don't understand, right? You just don't get it. 
And if you're a true hardborn Christian, you don't, you don't understand that. But you just don't get it. And it's not like either side is completely wrong. I mean, hey, when we die, we'll find out. But right, but it's not like either one is wrong. It's just you have core differences in beliefs on what the details of your discussion is. It's beyond comprehension. It's beyond it. You just you just you just disagree. You know what I mean? You just fundamentally disagree, and there's nothing you can do that could possibly influence the other side. You realize that is a dead fight, and I think that's a bad example, but it's kind of my situation. You know, I'm not saying I'm the Christian or I'm the atheist or whatever it is, but we have such differences in beliefs, it is almost impossible for each other to see our sides, and it to be honest with you, it's gone so far in one direction that I don't ever see it being pulled back into another, meaning it is what it is and it is what it will always be. And that may sound pessimistic, but I think there comes a point where when you pray to ask for the wisdom to know the difference, I think I've learned that wisdom. The difference is I've tried long enough. There's nothing there to move forward with other than to say, I guess when my daughter's over at my house, I will be the best parent I can be. When she's over at your house, I hope you're the best mother you can be. And that's it. You know, I, I, I often watch those people on TikTok who flaunt their relationships with their co-parent or ex-partner. And it's just such a good relationship. And look, I, I would love nothing more than to. And it's not that. Here's the thing. It's not that I want us to be good because I just want to feel good or be around her. It's just. I want it for my daughter. Growing up with a divorced parents, I always thought it was so heartbreaking that I didn't have my parents together to support me. I have two pictures in my house of my parents together with myself. One was like a portrait that I had when I was such a, maybe Layla's age, such a young little boy, my daughter, Layla being my daughter. And the other was my high school graduation. It was, it was a time where they both came and I was so happy. And I said, I looked at them both and I said, I know you both hate each other, but please, this is probably the last photo I'm ever going to get of you guys together. Take one photo from me. And they did because they love me. And no matter what I feel about my mom or my dad, it was pure love. They put their hatred aside and they took that picture from me because they loved me. And I have two pictures side by side together. One from when I was a boy and one when I was at my high school graduation of both of them together. And they both smiled for me. And as chaotic as that time was with my parents, that was one of the happiest moments that I have stored in a memory photo album is that it's that day where I still have, where they put their hatred aside and put their love for me first. That sounds amazing. And that's what I strive to be. You know, that person for my daughter. That's all I wanted for her. Not for me, for her. And I feel like I failed at that because it is not a great situation that I have. And look, I'll tell you right now, it's not the worst situation in the world. I'm, I'm not in a court battle. I'm not in a constant, you know, I, I, it, it's nothing crazy. It's just not what I expected. I mean, more than that, it's, it's more than not what I expected out of having a kid. It's not what I expected us to be at this point in time, which sucks, you know? And why all that is, is I can't say, but I, I will tell you is it breaks my heart that I can't do that for my daughter. Now, look, I, I do not know the future, 
But what I can tell you is I am accepting the way things are as they are right now. You know, I'll tell you what, one of my biggest fears in life, and I mean my biggest fear, is that I will die early, die young, and my daughter will never get to know the love that I have for her and the care and the just desire to see her grow and be happy. And the commitment I put in as her father, i that's one of my biggest fears that she'll just forget me. That's my biggest fear because, like I said, I'm not trying to say anything about anything, but I have a, how do I put it? And I told you guys to bear with me because I'm trying to be as blunt as possible, but I have a deep fear that I will not be represented accurately at her mother's home if I ever did die early or die young. If anything ever happened to me, if I walked outside tomorrow and got struck by lightning, I'm pretty confident that it would be allowed that the memory of me would fade away at her mom's house. To put it bluntly, I'm scared that she will be allowed to forget me over there. It's my biggest fear. Um, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard for me to even talk about. But my situation right now with her mom is that bad where I feel like, uh, I don't know. I had a conversation recently with her about, I heard over the phone when my daughter was talking to her mom and her mom's boyfriend, she, he, he referred to himself as Dada, and it triggered me, right? I mean, a, I mean, as a father, obviously it would trigger you. I sat on it. I talked it over with some people, and I decided to message her. And I said something really polite, and but to the point. I thought it was fair. I said, listen, I'm not a, a weekend dad. I'm not a holiday dad. No offense to anyone who is, but... I'm a full-time dad. It may be 50-50, but I'm full-time, baby. I'm I'm all in. And um, so I felt a little uncomfortable and off-putting that she would be encouraged to call him Dada. I've never heard her refer to him that, as that before. And although you can't re, you know, force a kid to call anyone anything and force them not to, I felt like referring to himself as such was this kind of the same as like, not forcing, but Listen, my daughter's impressionable right now. If I tell her that spaghetti is called nail polish, I promise you right now, she will think spaghetti is called nail polish and will refer to spaghetti as nail polish. Right now, she's learning different dynamics and different aspects in her life and who everyone is and the importance they play in her life and things like that, right? So I said, I'm a little uncomfortable with that. I'm Dada, right? Now, I expected a very negative message, but the response I got back was Layla loves and respects him, and it's been years, and sometimes goes in between calling him Dada or not. We went back and forth a little bit, and she sent me an article, and I'll tell you what, the only thing I'll ever say about it is if someone sends you an article about something in a in a situation where it's not entirely warranted if that makes sense i feel like it's just taken as disrespect but anyways she sends me an article and um i and i read it over and but we went back and forth for a little bit and i guess what was said was just kind of like at the end of it all what was said was it's layla's decision and at this point i don't think it really has anything to do with you it has to do with me her and my boyfriend and i felt like that was the most I've never had someone put me down as her father. I was 
very dismissed. You know, you may be her father, but who gives a fuck about your opinion? And I felt like my opinion, Layla's father's opinion about her and her life, my opinion from my daughter shouldn't matter. I felt like that I was, I'm being dismissed so passive aggressively and I felt hurt by it. I don't think she meant anything by it, but I, um, look, I, I, I was very upset about being dismissed like that. And it sat very, very poorly in, in my, my mouth and I had to let it go. It was difficult for me because I felt like there's truly no recognition about me being her father whatsoever, at least in my opinion, in terms of that household, which kind of goes back to my deepest fear about being forgotten about if anything ever happened to me. Because for me, I don't exist over there. And it worries me. It scares me. It makes me sad. It makes me hurt. And I, I don't know, I don't really quite know what to do about it other than to accept the things I cannot change. So I think that's the most I'm willing to give on that situation and the most upfront I can be. But now it is, it is really hard because it's sometimes as a single father, co-parenting you have to make concessions and you have to concede and sometimes to stand up for yourself and sometimes you lose i look you know i and, and truth be told look if my daughter chooses to call him that guy dada I, who gives a shit i think i know she knows who her daddy is but you know i will say that nothing in this co-parenting situation has gone how i thought it would there's no there's procedures that I thought would be put in place that aren't there. There's respect that I, I thought were, that would be put in place that isn't there. I am, um, I, I'm, I'm, I, you know, sometimes I feel very lost about the situation. And I think that's all I can say about that. I, I will note though, that I think she's a great mother. I always have. And, um, you know, throughout, throughout all of it, I'm very blessed that she, ha my daughter has a mother like her. I'm just very sad that we can't figure our own stuff out. In the benefit of our daughter, um, but um, yeah, I've I've had a hard week, and on top of that, you know, just dealing with all those single dad stuff I have to deal with, you know, just makes life a little easier. I mean, a little difficult, and you kind of wonder how 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 do single dads even survive? How do single dads survive? You know, it's a hard knock life out here. You know, there's there's times where I feel like I'm exhausted, and I'm I'm getting invited to a party or an event at my friend's house or something like that. And I can't go because I feel like I'm going to be um, just a, a, a walking zombie. You know, there's times where I, I want to date, but I'm so busy, caught up on other th other things, getting caught up from the week that I don't have my daughter. And, I, I, you know, there's times where I feel like my house is a mess and I can't invite anyone over. There's times where I feel like I'm, I forgot to eat and oh, it's a lot. But you know what? I heard something once that really put things in perspective for me. I gotta tell you, the simple fact that the guy who wrote Parents Just Don't Understand is now a parent himself, I think uh, it completely makes up for it. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, we don't though, do we? What's that? Uh, understand. I mean, these kids today, from the door, man, they got it all <laughs> over us. My daughter has it all over me, I can tell you that. Yeah, my middle one, my son. Mm -hmm. Every time I walk out of the house in the morning, he says, Daddy, how far you love me? I always pick somewhere close. I, mean, I love you to that table, man. <laughs> and I know you don't. You love me all the way to the moon and back down to the dirt. <laughs> Take everything I got to walk out of the house. And that's it. 
I'd rather take playing in the dirt with my kid than one ounce of sleep any day because that's how much I love my daughter. I gotta tell you, it's a hard knock life being a dad, you know? Sometimes I wonder how single dads survive in general. Probably everything that I've ever said in this podcast episode applies to every single parent. How does any single parent survive, you know? I can go through the same thing. I'm I'm just, you know what I'm tired of is just, I'm tired of the stereotypes that say single dads that don't exist, especially in the African-American community, you know? Dads being absent and people just looking at me like a babysitter. I don't know. What I like to see is like a full representation of me and myself on TV instead of the depressed and overworked single dad that I see on television sometimes. I want to encourage and empower single fathers to not be embarrassed about their situation, but to be empowered by it, to be inspired that they have a child that inspires them, that they're raising a child by themselves and to feel happy and proud about their situation. Not thinking of the situation as a road bump or a kick in the ass, but rather taking it as an opportunity to learn, grow, support, and feel supported. Now, if you listen to this podcast at all and you want to tell me about your story, please do. Please do. Because you know, I love hearing about everyone's journey. I want everyone to feel supported. I want everyone to feel loved. I want everyone to feel like they're not alone. Maybe you're older than me. Maybe you're younger than me. Maybe you're wiser than me. Maybe you're all of the above in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> but I want you to share your stories with the people around you and make them feel supported. Share them with me. Talk to me. Share them with someone that you know needs a story like yours. I encourage everyone to support one another. Because the times that I need to just fall down and cry and I feel like I can't go on, I remind myself, make your bed in the morning. That's the best support someone's given me in the past. Is I remember in the past, I was depressed. I was sad. I'm like, oh my God, I, how can I do this on my own? And he said, listen, man, if you're stuck in the morning in bed, the first step is just making your bed in the morning. Because at least you got out of bed. And then after that step, well, you might as well go down and make yourself some coffee. You might as well put one foot in front of the other and make yourself some breakfast. You might as well keep moving forward and maybe go to the gym, maybe go to work, maybe, you know, just keep moving forward. And eventually making your bed in the morning won't be the first step. It will be the very, it'll be the back of your head. It'll be like a clockwork, a routine won't be a step, it will be a routine. I get through the day with a little bit of chaos, but a smile on my face. Because at the end of the night, when I tuck my daughter in, and I finally crawl into bed, I say to myself, you made it. You made it through another day with a little chaos, but a smile on my face. <sighs> I don't care whether you're a newborn father, a father who's dating, a single father, or a co-parent, whatever the case may be, your drive what brings you out of the bed in the morning should be your child. And even if you don't have a child, what should bring you out of the bed in the morning should be inspiration, to be inspired by something, you know? 
And I encourage everyone who's feeling like, how do I survive? How do I get through? Think about what's important to you and keep moving forward. I have a picture of of me and my daughter on my desk. And when I'm feeling like I don't want to work anymore, I want to quit, I look at her and I feel inspired to keep moving forward. Or maybe I'll just take a nap and then try again later. (laughs) I'm going to read you guys something that I wrote on my website, ventpack.org. And it's a dedication to my daughter and everything that she's inspired me to do. And I want to read this to you guys because, well, first of all, it's it's an inspiration and kind of a a love letter to my daughter, but also a uh, you know I, I took some inspiration from Kobe Bryant and his uh, short clip "Dear Basketball," and it's funny because the love and inspiration that he felt towards basketball inspired me to write what I wrote about my daughter, and I'd love to share that with you guys. And uh, well. It goes like this. Dear Layla, from the moment I knew you were coming into this world, I fell in love with you. A love so deep, it consumes me and drives me to be the best version of myself for you. From the first kick I felt in your mother's stomach, I knew I would do anything for you. I have dedicated my mind, body, spirit, and soul to you, my sweet daughter. As a new father deeply in love with you, I never saw the end of the tunnel. I only saw myself running out of one, running towards you and everything you needed. I ran through every challenge, every obstacle, because you asked for my hustle, and I gave you my heart. You have given me my biggest dream, and for that, I will always love you. I wish the time that we have together could last forever, but I know that one day my body will know it's time to say goodbye. And that's okay. When that day comes, I will be ready to let you go. Not because I want to, but because you have given me the greatest gift of all, life. Until then, I want to savor every moment we have left together, the good and the bad. We have given each other everything we have. And no matter what we do next, I will always be that excited young man, full of love, standing next to your mother, waiting for the doctor to place you in my arms. Love you always, Dad. I think all of you tonight should write a letter to your children. Even if they can't read it, even if they don't understand Write a letter to your children and let them know how much they mean to you, how much they inspired you, how much you're inspired by them, so on and so forth. Write a letter to them and think of all the ways that they help you keep moving forward. And if you're ever feeling like it's too much and you need someone to talk to, or if you need someone to just listen to, join me in more stories next week and hopefully support each other in more ways to heal, grow, and keep moving forward. I'm your host, Kendall Doniker, Father Deasy, and thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. And uh, guys, there's a lot of things I would love for you guys to do for me. 
One of them being is, first of all, like, subscribe, share, and leave a review of this podcast. If it resonated with you in any way, if it spoke to you in any way, if anything I said you vibed with, please go leave a review, comment, and share it with a friend. Make sure you follow us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, at the Single Father Podcast. There's also a Patreon. Um, If you want to become a patron of the podcast and support us, I would really appreciate it. But the lowest price we have is just five bucks, the price of a cup of coffee a month. It would really help us grow bigger and do better things and create hopefully uh, longer and better quality videos and audio. Um, I have big plans for the podcast. So if you are willing to support, that'd be great. There's different tiers that we have, too. There's a tier where you can join a private Facebook group that I have for our patrons, where it's just single fathers supporting each other, discussing topics about life and you know, uh, love and so on and so forth. You can have a video chat with me one-on-one. You can have a say in different topics that we cover on uh, uh, upcoming episodes. There's a lot of benefits that we have, including, you know, discounts to our online store, shop.vempack.org. You know, I would love for you guys to support the podcast and we would really appreciate it. Um, Most importantly, if you have something that you want to share with the world, if you have a story that you feel like is beneficial to all of our supporters and the single fathers listening, email me at hello at vampac.org. Title the subject venting sessions, and I'll know that you want to be a guest on the podcast. And just, you know, write me, you know, what you're looking for as far as conversations, what you want to talk about. And uh, hopefully I can have you on as a guest on the podcast and we can have a little venting session together. Uh, I had that just last week with David Williams in our previous episode. You know, he shared a wonderful story about his life, his son and growing up in a single father household. It was an inspiring story that I know a lot of you loved. Uh, Please go check that one out. But I look forward to having more of you on the show as well. Um, If you have a question that you want answered on the show, At the end of each episode, I at least try to read some questions that uh, come anonymously from you guys. Um, So if you email me at hello at vimpact.org, and if you title the subject anonymous, I'm sorry, if you title the subject mailbag, I will read those questions on the show. And, um, you know, I will read them as anonymous. And uh, hopefully at the end of each show, you have your question answered. So um, let's do a a few of those now, actually. So let's get into the section of the podcast, Mailbag. All right. So first things first, Um, I saw you did a, this comes from Anonymous. I saw you did a podcast with Leah Liss, who has a book about having the sex talk with her children. Can you give me some tips about how to experience that? I'm a little nervous and a little confused on how to approach that with my children. Um, good question. You know, I'm not at that stage in my parenting as of right now, but what I would encourage you to do is to get her book. Um, I have her book and let me think of the, what is the name right off the top? Uh, Leah It is let's talk about sex. No shame with Dr. Leah Liss. And uh, it's a book that talks about, you know, real talk with your kids about sex, self-confidence, and healthy relationships. So if you uh, are confused or interested about uh, learning about those topics and how to navigate that 
in your uh, parenting, then I suggest you get her book and read a couple of those tips there. I have it, and when the time comes, I'm going to revisit some of those points um, when, the, when, well, when the time comes. So I'm sorry I can't give you much advice, but I, I've been dreading the day. But uh, when it comes, I'll open that book and I'll, I'll share it with you guys. Uh, next question comes from Anonymous. I noticed on your Netflix list you mentioned BoJack Horseman. Do you ever feel like that show makes you depressed or does it help you in navigating different ideas for your podcast? I noticed some themes that you have on the podcast comes from BoJack Horseman or at least some ideas in the show. Can you explain if you used any of the motivations from the show? I really love it because it helps me deal with depression. Uh, uh, very good question. I really love BoJack Horseman. It was included in my Netflix list. It was a bonus list that I had of 2020's, um, my favorite 2020 Netflix list of, uh, of the year. Um, BoJack Horseman. Um, I mean, there's probably some themes that I use in the podcast, not specifically towards BoJack Horseman, but, uh, um, there's a lot of themes that that show deals with if anyone who doesn't know it's a, it's a show on netflix it's a cartoon but it's about a horse a famous horse that is dealing with depression um you know there's a scene that i really love from that show and it's about bojack talking to a guy named herb and her it's a guy that bojack really really wronged in a really bad way and he was talking to herb and he said Look, Herb, I don't know how to forgive myself if you can't forgive me. So please, I'm asking you, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And I remember that episode because Herb's response was, no, I can't do that or something like that. But I thought that was so deep. Now, when I watched that episode, I was like, fuck, man, that's kind of depressing. He, he apologized. He did everything he's supposed to do. And still... The guy can't forgive him, but I thought that taught a very good lesson to the viewers and to the character, which is that sometimes people's opinions of you are always and will always be set in stone. And part of being an adult is accepting the things that you cannot change. And that also includes accepting that some people's opinions will not change. And that just because you apologized doesn't mean that you are worthy or able to receive forgiveness. It doesn't matter if it's right, wrong, or otherwise. It is what it is. And I thought that taught a very good lesson there. That sometimes the consequences to our actions are permanent. And uh, I know that's kind of a depressing topic, but I don't know. I thought that's a really good lesson to kind of be aware of and maybe teach your kids someday. Anyways, uh, Bojack Horseman is a great show. Uh, yes, it's a show that deals with depression. Anyone who's depressed should watch that show because it, although it's a comedy, it's uh, a really nice show about how to navigate depression and kind of what it looks like. Um, I think you'll find some lessons in there, kind of like I did. Uh, next question from Anonymous. If you ever had more kids, how do you think that dynamic would work with your co-parent and, and your... Uh, I'm sorry, let me read this again. If you had more kids, how do you think that dynamic would work with your co-parent? Since your daughter already has a sister, how would you navigate having a child with somebody else in regard to your daughter? I have no idea what that question means. Let me read this again. 
Okay, you know, I'm just going to assume that you're saying, how would I deal with having another kid and my daughter having... Yeah, I get what you mean. Um, I don't know how I deal with it. I'll tell you what. I don't know. I don't know. I just take it as it comes. I don't think it's that big of a deal. Um, I just keep showing love and support and blah, blah, blah. So, uh, yeah, I really don't know. But... uh, Interesting question. I'll have to think about that more. Next question comes from Anonymous. What was your New Year's resolutions? Happy New Year, by the way. Uh, thank you, Anonymous. Uh, my New Year's resolutions. I'll tell you what. My friends on New Year's were showing me a whole bunch of videos of people the year before eating 10 grapes under a table. Or 12. 10 or 12 or something like that. It was either 10 or 12. And then that following year... They met the love of their life. They fell in love. It's kind of like a thing. You eat 10 or 12 grapes underneath a table and you fall in love that year. Um, I thought it was ridiculous, but they showed me enough evidence where I was like, okay, I'll do it. So I ate 10 grapes. There's a video of me doing it. I've, I ate 10 grapes underneath a table and I'm expecting this year to fall in love and to find the love of my life. Now, if I don't, then it's fuck grapes Fuck everything about grapes. Fuck raisins. Fuck seeds. Fuck any type of fucking grapes. Anything. I like fuck grapes. I'll never eat them again. But you know, if if I do end up falling in love, I will literally eat grapes for the rest of my life every single day for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, so some type of voodoo shit there. But I I hope it works. That's what my New Year's my true New Year's resolutions though are to be successful and healthy. I'm a little self self conscious about my dad bod. Um, I'm not fat or anything, but I feel like I could lose a few pounds for like everyone during COVID, you know, kind of just stopped going to the gym. And uh, I don't know, like I said, I'm still fit, but I want to be fitter and, uh, I'm on the verge of a dad bod or maybe I have one and I'm just like right on the cusp there. So, um, yeah, I want to get fit. And then I also want um, to be successful. I want to grow my businesses and grow my income. And, you know, a lot, there's a lot of things. So I'd say success and health are my main things. Um, yeah. Great question. Um, I think that's, I think that's enough right now, guys. I'm pretty tired. I'll read more next episode. Um, but yeah, thank you guys so much. Um, this has been a real pleasure having the support of the group that you guys have shown me. Um, you know, thank you for venting with me. Um, you know, uh, and again, in the beginning of the episode, you know, you'll have, you have, you have to excuse me because I had, you know, a lot of things to think about and saying them the right way when it comes to a situation with my co-parent. But I, I want to just say this right off the bat, just so it's very clear. This is not a baby mama bashing pot type of podcast whatsoever. I have a lot of women on the show to give different perspectives for men so they don't, you know, get confused about what the message is that I'm trying to preach. And, you know, I have a daughter and I and I and I, I want to give different perspectives about myself because maybe I'm not seeing something. So it's always nice to stay humble. But, um, you know, I think everyone should respect care. And I, I love my baby mama, even to this day, even though we disagree, like, no other. Um, I, I love and I care for her and I, I wish her well. And I encourage everyone to treat their, you know, partners, whether it be ex-partner or whatever, with the same amount of respect. Um, you know, just because you disagree with someone doesn't make them a bad person. 
Although I don't know what your situation is, to be honest. <laughs> um, yeah, well, thank you guys so much. This has been an amazing uh, episode. I, I loved venting with you guys, just getting my emotions out there. Again, I consider this to be like my online journal to you guys and, and taking a very good look inside my heart. So uh, that's it. And uh, again, treat everyone with respect, treat everyone with love. And uh, if you're feeling like things are not going your way, I promise you, find some inspiration to keep on going. And if you're missing inspiration, I assume you're, you're a parent. Look in your child's eyes, and I promise you that's all the inspiration you'll ever need. Ladies and gentlemen, I have some breaking news. You know, I can't believe it. I really can't. Shortly after I was done recording this episode, I got a message from my child's mother. And as I was just explaining, I had come to believe that this was a situation where things were just the way they were and that there was no hope that things would ever improve. But recently, something unexpected happened. And I'm talking about really just an hour ago, really. I received a message from my child's mother telling me that she was taking our daughter to the hospital because she swallowed a magnet. I was nervous and frightened by the message, so I rushed over to the hospital to see Layla and her mom in the waiting area. I sat down and talked to my daughter about what happened and asked her if she was okay. Surprisingly, her mom actually spoke to me and told me what had happened. I was shocked. I was shocked that she spoke to me. I have not seen her in almost two years, and we only speak through a parenting app. After some uncomfortable time sitting there in silence and occasionally chatting with my daughter, she ended up getting some x-rays to check if there was still a magnet there. But throughout it all, Layla seemed to enjoy having us both there. She was happy and smiling, giving us both thumbs up. And her mom and I exchanged further words about the x-ray and how everything looked fine. We went back into the waiting room and again sat back in silence waiting for the results. As I sat there, I stared at her mom, the woman I once loved, then hated, and now have a sense of confusion about her and the situation as I look right at her face for the first time in what seems to be years. Given this rare opportunity, I thought I should use it to cut the tension and break the ice. So I said to her, you know, I really wish we could get along. And she replied, me too. I then made her laugh on another topic and tried to make, you know, pleasant small talk. And to my surprise, it was just that, pleasant. I finally told her that it is a good idea for Layla to see her parents together sometimes and get along. She replied, yeah. And then her voice faded with the clear uncertainty of my statement. We exchanged a few more words after that, laughing about how we both get on each other's nerves. And there was a sense of resilience in the air to actually not be bothered by each other's company. Then the doctor came out to us, handed us the paperwork, and gave Layla a clean bill of health and assured us that she'll be just fine. As we walked out, I had a vision. And it's one of those visions that I often tell you guys about. You know, one where I think about what could have been if things went differently. It was a vision of us walking out together. Instead of us leaving in different cars, we leave in just one and go home as a family. As I finally got to my car, I woke up from that vision. And I hugged my daughter goodbye and gave her a kiss. And I opened my door. Before I got in my car, I turned around and said to my, ch my child's mother, Hey, it was good seeing you. I got in my car 
and on the way home I smiled, because it reminded me of that day of my high school graduation, where both of my parents really hated each other, but decided to put their hatred aside and put the love for me first. And that was the first time in a long, long time that I felt something like that in this situation for years. And it was hope. Hope can shine even in the darkest of times. And as long as hope survives, there is always a chance at a brighter future. I was wrong in my words earlier to think that words or opinions written in stone can't be broken. Because even when all seems lost, there is always still hope that things can get better. It's our hopes and dreams that reveal the truth of our being and what really motivates us. The miracle of what just happened is not lost on me, and I hope it resonated with you as well. I can't believe that just talking about how hard things were, I got some beautiful clarity with the person that I have the most tumultuous relationship with, face-to-face, human-to-human, and I left with a sense of hope. Now, I do not know if things will get better. I don't know if in three months I'll be telling you things got worse, but I'm hopeful, and I hope you guys will hope with me. All right? My name's Kendall Doniker, a.k.a. Father Deasy. Until next time, my friends, and to my sweet daughter, if I ever leave this earth too soon, I want you to know that I love you very, very much. And I wanted to tell you something that hopefully I get to tell you in person. But if I don't, my mom and dad were divorced when I was younger, too. And I often felt very conflicting feelings about it. I often wondered about other parents and other situations and wondered if my mind was so different. And then I watched a movie one day. And at the end of that movie, a person said something that made me, well, made me feel a lot better. And I hope it does the same for you. Dear Mrs. Doubtfire, two months ago, my mom and dad decided to separate. Now they live in different houses. My brother Andrew says that we ought to be a family anymore. Is this true? Did I lose my family? Is there anything I could do to get my parents back together? Sincerely, Katie McCormick. Oh, my dear Katie. You know, some parents, when they're angry, they get along much better when they don't live together. They don't fight all the time, and they can become better people and much better mummies and daddies for you. And sometimes they get back together, and sometimes they don't, dear. And if they don't, don't blame yourself. Just because they don't love each other anymore doesn't mean that they don't love you. Now, there are all sorts of different families, Katie. Some families have one mommy, some families have one daddy or or two families. Some children live with their uncle or aunt, some live with their grandparents, or some children live with foster parents. And some live in separate homes, separate neighborhoods, in different areas of the country, and they may not see each other for days, weeks, months, or even years at a time. But if there's love, dear, those are the ties that bind you'll have a family in your heart forever all my love to you puppet you're going to be all right bye-bye the single father podcast with kendall doniker is a weekly show that explores the joys challenges and triumphs of being a single dad join us as we share stories offer advice and provide support to other single fathers follow us to stay up to date on new episodes and to connect with other single dads in our community Don't forget to like, subscribe, share, and leave a review.